0: Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Ratings, Pete, on Twitter. I would like to welcome to the podcast a man you know on Twitter as Footy Rhino. Welcome, Ryan Daniels.
1: G'day, Pete. How are you
0: going? Very well. Now, let's get stuck into this. You covered the Olympic Games earlier this year in Japan for uh, the Seven Network. Can you explain what your daily routine was in Japan with the country pretty much uh, locked down at the time?
1: Yeah, mate, it was a weird experience. I'd never done an Olympic Games before for seven, so this was my first crack at it. Um and I, I sort of went in with no real expectations. I figured there'd be a lot of restrictions, which there were. Um we essentially operated in a bubble while we were there. I didn't you know, couldn't go out to, you know, Tokyo and check out any of the sites or eat at any restaurants or um do anything like that. It was it was very much all business. Uh, we had a really small team on the on the ground there, um, and all, everyone was working their butts off to sort of deliver the best content we could. So mm. long days, really hot weather, yeah. um, but just a fantastic experience. The, the sort of the one freedom that we had, which was super weird, was um, once a day you could you could leave your hotel or your hotel room. Um, and you had a 15-minute window where you could go to the convenience store, which was like maybe 100 metres away from the hotel. Um, so there was a security guard, and he'd literally take the time down, set a timer, uh, and you had 15 minutes to run there and then get as much stuff as you could. They had everything there, you know, <laughs> food, um, drinks, whatever, yeah. and then you had to be back before your 15 minutes. Now, if you failed that twice, yeah. the first time you got a warning, yeah. Um the second time you got deported, you, you went straight oh back home. God. So it was a real thing and uh it was quite stressful. It felt like you're on a game show like just rushing there and, and <laughs> grabbing everything you could and then running back and you go, What did I buy? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It was a really bizarre experience. But but something I'll never forget, that's for sure. And um I think that all the the stuff going on in the world at the time, I think before I left a lot of people were saying, Oh, I can't believe you're going, or, I can't believe you are even having the Olympics and Part of me thought, oh yeah, it is a bit strange, and I kept waiting for it to be called off. But once I got there, and I think once Australia started winning medals, and the whole world just kind of got right into it, I think we all needed it more than we realised. Yeah. It was yeah. sort of a, a real sort of galvanising um, event, and 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 really, that's what the Olympics is mainly for, isn't it? So kind of bringing everybody together, and yeah, I thought it was fantastic.
0: The, uh, I would have loved to have sent a tweet from you to say, I've just been deported from Japan with five chocolate <laughs> five chocolate bars in my hand because I did a hamstring. I couldn't get back to the hotel and so
1: Exactly. Oh, three God. three bottles of um, Japanese whiskey and a, and a couple of um, random chocolate bars. They've got some they've got some weird stuff over there, food wise too. So you had to really read the labels when you're in there because you like, I don't know what I'm
0: buying. I've yeah. got no idea. Just so it was.
1: It was uh, it was hectic, but you he did it every day because you couldn't do anything else. Yeah. So it was like, this is my activity for the day. If I don't go, even if I don't need to buy anything, if I don't take that 15-minute window, then I'm just stuck in a room um, or just doing work for the rest of the time I'm here. So it became a daily event.
0: Uh, I can imagine you just pulled out a basket, put your hand across the shelf and just wiped it all in the basket and said, there we go. <laughs> but but exactly. then the, then the cashier is under time pressure for you as well. Well, that's it, mate. If you, if you got there and there was a queue, because you've got to remember, there was a lot of people
1: in these hotels that oh. were in the same situation. So if you got there and there was a queue of like 10 people, um, you were in trouble. So, yeah. you know, like you, you had to move. You yeah. really had to move. I, I got close a couple of times. I, I was in the 14, sort of 14 and a half minute mark a couple of times on the way back in. So it was, it was touch and go.
0: Absolute scenes. Okay. So onto the basketball, you interviewed Kevin Durant as an NBA yeah. fan how much of a thrill was that?
1: Oh, it was awesome. Um, so I got to interview Kevin Durant twice, yep. um, Draymond Green twice, yep. uh, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo. Mm.
0: Um,
1: it was an amazing experience. I, I, when I, before I left, I was sort of told by the Geist Seven, um, this is what you'll be covering. And it was mainly um, hockey and rowing. They were the two sports that I was sort of designated to do. Mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I got over there, I quickly realized that, you know, you got moved around a fair bit. As I said, there was a fairly small team. So I ended up covering 14 different sports by the time I'd left. So um, you got whizzed around a lot. But there was a point uh, once the sort of later end of basketball round, Robin sort of stuff was finishing up, you know, the Boomers were playing really well, the Opals Opals were in the mix. um, So they needed to put more attention on it. So um, I just had one brief conversation with one of the producers and said, Look, you know if there's if you're looking for somebody to cover basketball, mm. I'm obsessed. I won't have to do any research. Yep. I've already got it all in their brain. Nice. Um, would love to do it. and And also secretly between you and I and the listeners, the basketball venue was amazing because it was inside, it was air
0: conditioned. The
1: mm-hmm. um, mix zone, which is where you're allowed to interview players. We had one of the best mixed zones at seven. We were basically courtside the whole time. So getting in there was like winning the lottery because being out of the rowing, it was 40 degrees. and humid um, and no shade. You were dying out there. So basketball was like um, a godsend. So I got to do a couple of games um, of the Boomers early on, and then suddenly I was doing the U.S. games, and suddenly I was doing the medal games. It just sort of caught caught on from there. So chatting to those guys was... um, yeah, you know, my heart was racing. Like I don't really get nervous doing that stuff anymore. But with yeah. that, I was like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." Like, yeah. you know, in Australia, you don't really come across a lot of athletes that make you sort of not become a fan, but you have a little moment where you're like, "Oh man, oh, this is this is sort of um, you know bucket list sort of stuff." Um, but that was it was really cool, and they were really great about it. Both, you know, all of the NBA guys were really good. Um, and you know it was it was a scrap to get the interviews because there was a lot of media there as you can imagine.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you had to be quite aggressive, so you know I just I just pushed my way in and, and got in there and got got the job done and I was really happy with it.
0: The um, I was looking through your Twitter feed last night to just to relive uh, the Olympics uh, that were through your eyes, and I came across a tweet with a basketball robot. Can you explain to the listeners what that was?
1: Yeah, there was this freakish, um, robot. Obviously, you know, Japan, they're known for their, um, technological sort of savvy and, and everything over there is robotic. And, um, you know, even the toilets are like you're flying a space shuttle. They're, you know, they're a whole nother level. Yep. Um, there's a thousand buttons on them. So this robot, they would wheel him out at sort of, you know, quarter time, half time, three quarter time of the games. And he was like sort of built like Shaquille O'Neal. This thing was like seven foot tall and he was programmed. To just hit shots from all over the place, like it he, you know, he wouldn't miss a free throw. He'd take a thousand of them and hit a thousand of them.
0: Yep. You know,
1: he'd take, take a thousand shots from half court and hit a thousand in a row. It was remarkable to watch and kind of freakish. You were watching it, going, "Well, if this is the future of sports, then uh, it's not going to be much interest in watching them because everybody's <laughs> just going to get it in all the time." Um, so yeah, it was it was fascinating. And that's Japan. Like you know, they're just quirky. Like there's, there's so much stuff over there that's just odd. Um, and that's the, that's why it's so so brilliant i think
0: it was also pretty awesome that the boomers won their first medal yeah
1: yeah that was incredible um i didn't actually get to to work on the boomers medal game i had to go out to oh god i can't remember what it was that day i did a triathlon in the morning not me i didn't run a triathlon i just i covered the triathlon and then i think i went out to might have been a matilda's game or something i can't remember but Um, But I got to watch it, so that was fantastic as well. So it was just, yeah, it was brilliant for them. I've been watching the Boomers for as long as I can remember, Um, you know, to to sort of be a part of that in some small way, a dream come true. And it was, I was really proud. Australian basketball sort of always, you know, been punching above their weight Um, and, you know, behind Paddy Mills and Joe Ingles and those guys, they just went to another level. It was fantastic.
0: I just remember watching early in the Olympics, you were doing an interview uh, with the rowing and they'd won a medal. And then in, in the background, hitting the line, was Australia winning another medal. <laughs> yeah. what, what was that like?
1: Yeah, that was awesome. So um, I knew it was going to be busy because well, I've been doing the rowing for a week leading up. And as I said, the rowing venue was hot.
0: It was, you know,
1: amongst us sort of reporters, sort of um, sideline reporters that were there for seven we knew that was the worst gig you could get. Not from a, you know, the work was fantastic, but from the conditions, it was tough.
0: Yeah. You know, you
1: were standing out in the elements, the mix zone, you were sort of far along. You were right on the finish line, but you you were crowded, um, really hot, just stinking. You, you walk out of the sort of the media office and you'd be sweating within five seconds, which is not great when you've got to go on camera constantly. Yeah. So yeah. you were dealing with that, and then I'd known that sort of by the end of the week, there was this one hour where we were going to be in four finals in a row. Um, And I'd spoken to sort of the experts around there, the rowing guys for Australia, and they said, look, yeah, we're we're pretty sure we're going to do well in these two.
0: Um,
1: We're a chance for gold. Um, And in the other two, um, we're probably outside chance for for a medal. But, you you know, you never know on the day. Um, And so I was prepared for the, the sort of the two big races, and they were sort of one after the other, bang, 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 bang. Um, We won two goals in the space of 15 minutes. So that was hectic, and that was um, brilliant to be a part of. That was the first gold medal I got to be a part of, and the second. And then as I was interviewing the girls, I think, who had won gold – the finish line was right behind us and that was, the next one was the race where we weren't supposed to do well. We are probably supposed to finish sixth or seventh and out of the corner of my eye, I was kind of, I was interviewing these girls live which was going back into Australia yeah. and I could see the boat for the Aussies and it was catching and they, they were going from fifth to fourth and I'm like, holy crap, they're, they're going to get a bronze here yep. and so I just thought, I've got to go with this because if they win it, like, we can't just ignore it um, so we've just done it. I just said, look, these girls are going to, you know, I think they're going to win bronze and then, they did, like they just did. Turned around and that, and that was it was magic. And that yeah. that really, you know, after a week of you know sweating it out at the rowing and and working your butt off, it felt like that hour of power, which just I was calling cool. it. it was just oh, it was so worth it. Like and to see you know how much joy it brought all those athletes and um, and it was right on the back edge of the swimming and we were winning a heap of that. So it was like the rowing was sort of the next kick along that we started winning medals in, and it was. Yeah, it was brilliant to be a part
0: of. Yeah, I remember watching that and obviously watching it live and obviously back here in Australia. And it, and I could see you interviewing and then all of a sudden I said, oh, there's another medal right there. So I remember yeah. I actually uh, recorded it from the TV and actually sent it to you um, via DM. Yeah, because otherwise yeah. you wouldn't have seen it for no, potentially I, a long time. We didn't see any of it. Yeah. yeah,
1: so a lot of the stuff we were doing was live, but some of the stuff we were doing was you know, as as live. So the athletes would come, you'd only get one chance with them. So you had to do it pretending as if you were live because they weren't going to come back. And sometimes, you know, the coverage would be in a commercial, so they couldn't run it then, or you'd be, you know, in the middle of a swimming race, so you couldn't show that interview. But you had to do it as if you were live. But you never quite knew if anything was actually going to air um, until you got like a message from someone you know. They said, oh, I saw you at the, you know, whatever. Um, And you're like, oh, good. You know, it got used because there's so much stuff happening. And um you knew if you got a medal that you were a good chance. Yep. You know if you were at an event with a medal you were always going to get you know some of your stuff to air but sometimes you'd be you know I spent you know 6 hours at the rock climbing one one day and you know nothing happened so we didn't get any of that to air in the end of the day so you did a lot of that sort of stuff too but um yeah it was it was it was a bizarre experience.
0: I thought that was an amazing moment obviously the interview and the medal coming through at the same time was totally amazing from my point of view but what will be your lasting memory of the Olympics? Yeah, those two.
1: Um, so that moment with the rowing to shore, um, and the, probably the, doing the US, uh, boomers game, um, which, you know, the, the boomers looked like they had a, a chance to win and yeah. then, the, you know, the, then Kevin Durant just did, what Kevin Durant does and flick the switch, and to watch that in person, you know, I was cheering for the Boomers, but you couldn't help but just marvel at what he was able to do in that second half, and just and even an just avalanche. the last five minutes of the first half, it was yeah. like it was like a whole different thing was happening on the court yeah. with him, and he was he went otherworld. So to see that in person, and then you know to interview him afterwards, you know that was, I mean that that'll go down as probably one of the ten. Best things I get to do in my career, so um, that was fantastic. And that hour of rowing with all of that happening, um, really reward for hard work for um, for everybody involved. And those probably those are the two things I think I'll probably take away. And also, you know, the silly stuff like the running to the convenience store and um, (laughs) you know doing two COVID tests every single day, and um, all of the all of the stuff that you had to do. Um, just trying to sort of get through um, was, yeah, it was was a pretty incredible time.
0: Much appreciated for that. So let's get on to some footy talk. So we'll get stuck into Fremantle. They're building quite nicely. What are your thoughts?
1: I've been saying this for a long time. I really like where Fremantle is at. I think their list build um, has been really strong. They've had two or three really good drafts in a row, um, Mm. and they've also got the right people in the right places um, for a long time, Freo was sort of in that, um, almost like Sydney Swans light in the way that they played. You know, the old Swans where they, you know the Ross Lyons style of footy where you'd lock it down, you'd have a lot of soldiers. Um, they'd never score a lot. They'd keep teams to low scores. You know, it wasn't necessarily fun football to watch, or I'm guessing to support from a from a fan perspective. And it, you know, from a fantasy perspective, it wasn't always rewarding either. Mm. I, I really like what they've done. I think Justin Longmire is a really good coach. I think he's going to add more strings to his bow. Um, I, I think Simon Garlick's a fantastic um, CEO, and I think he'll probably have a big future in the AFL circles.
0: Yep.
1: Um, I've just picked up Bob Murphy. Um, as sort of almost like a culture guy really yeah. um they've they've sort of really shifted that club from the top down and and the recruiting has been first class um, I like everything that they've done, even some smart stuff like you know they had a lot of money that they could have used in this trade and free agency period yep. a couple of the things they tried to do didn't land um and instead of just panicking and and getting someone that they don't really need and overpaying them. they yep. They they went the other way and said, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll we'll overpay, uh, we'll switch some contracts, and we'll you know we'll pay a bunch of guys front ended, and then next year we'll have that money again, and we'll go after somebody else. And if we don't get them that year, then we'll do it again.
0: Yep. Um,
1: they're looking at it with a, a really long term view. Yep. Um, they're not thinking, oh, well, hold on, Fifey's probably only got three, four, five years left. We have to win a flag tomorrow. They're not doing that. They're just going, okay, well, let's take a breath. Um, Let's build for the next five to ten years and let's try to make this a really sustained period of success. Um, And they've done that through the draft and they've backed them in uh, and they've held their salary cap really well. So I think they're really set up for a really long period of success. Um, I would put them, you know, if you you lined up the sort of the best young talent in the comps, uh, not in terms of ready now, because obviously like the Bulldogs and the Demons and, and the Giants have really good young players in their sort of 23 to 27 range. But I think if you're looking at guys who are sort of in the 18 to 22 range, you know, I reckon it's Gold Coast, Fremantle and Sydney, um, and I think they're the standouts, and and I think we're going to see those three clubs, if they can navigate their talent the right way, um, be real powers in sort of three, four years' time.
0: Fremantle ranked 15th last year for 71.7 points per game. And so I would hope that would increase this year. Now, back onto the draft and trade periods, one of those deals that went through that was a benefit for Fremantle was Will Brody. So that's yeah. already been a winner, gathering what turned out to be pick 21, which turned into Matthew Johnson. Now, Justin Longmuir was strong recently on the primary role for Brody being an inside mid. How has he settled in? <laughs>
1: Yeah, he looks okay. Um, I was down at training yesterday, actually. i I, I was surprised at how skinny he is. Like, a lot of these guys, um, they come into the AFL and, you you know, they put on size gradually and by their sort of third, fourth, fifth year, you know, they look totally different to when they started. Now, I always remember Dom Tyson was one that, you know, if you saw Dom Tyson on his first game and by the time he was finished, he didn't look that much different. Mm. Um, he was always quite slightly built and some guys can get away with that, but with others, it's it's a sign of maybe a, a lack of physical development, um, which always worries me. Particularly if you want to be an inside mid, Brody has some stuff. Like he's he can find a footy, you know, he's pretty powerful. Um, he's slippery in a, in a weird way. Um, his kicking isn't fantastic. Um, I don't know about his footy IQ yet. I haven't really seen enough closely, so I won't judge him on that. Yep. But I don't think he's going to come in and be you know, in their best midfield. Like, could he be in their best 22? Yeah, maybe. Yep. Um, but there's a lot of guys who will want to be in that midfield this year and want to be spending more time around the ball. Um, the good thing for him is, as I said, he can find the footy. Um, and one thing Fremantle haven't had since Lockie Neal left was someone who can just routinely get, you know, somewhere between 25 and 30 touches, you know, without even really trying. Yep. Um so if they want to, if they want to go down that path and get an accumulator in there and get it someone who can just run all day and find the footy, then, then he might find a spot. Um, he also might play a little bit of half forward. I've seen him doing a little bit of work sort of kicking from around sort of 50, 60 out, um, sort of to leading targets and that sort of thing. So it's early. It's very early and he's only really done a handful of training sessions with them. So it's, it's a bit early on, but my initial thoughts would be, He'd be somewhere in there, sort of eighteen to twenty-five, um, and yeah. if he can have a really good preseason, we know Fifey's already banged up the spots there. Um, he might be able to get, you know, a decent role early on. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sold on you know this being the breakout moment for Will Brady just yet.
0: Just an opportunity at this stage. Let's see if he takes it. Yeah. That's it, Okay, on to Matthew Johnson. He was selected a pick 21 in the AFL draft. This could be one of the biggest steals of the draft, I believe. It could be a perfect fit for Freya.
1: Stunning, really stunning um, that he got to 21. So I spent a little bit of time with him. I know know his management quite well. The Hawthorne interviewed him four times. Mm. Um, They were really red hot on him. They were were considering him at seven. They ended up going with Josh Ward, who's a fine pick. Um, But I I know they were agonising over it. Um, yep. to the point where they made Fremantle a really serious offer. Uh, I think I reported yesterday it was a future first-round pick was involved, pick 23,
0: yeah.
1: um, and it would have meant that you know Fremantle would have given up 21 and, and then probably something else next year. Obviously, that trade, the way I reported it, was quite uneven, but that's just the way it was told to me. I, I would imagine there'd be something else on that as well, maybe yep. a future second or something like that. But for, Hawthorne was super keen to get him, and it's obvious why. He's got all the time in the world when he's got the footy. He's a really good user of the footy. He's he's huge. Like they had Roy Benning there, um, who's a ruckman forward. Mm. Um, There wasn't much difference between him and Matt Johnson, you know, like in height wise. Um, This is this is a real steal. Um, I'm stunned that West Coast didn't take him. Um, I don't know a lot about Campbell Chesser, and I guess we'll get to that soon. But I I am quite stunned that, that they overlooked him. They must know something that I don't. Um, but I think he is going to be excellent. I think he's, I don't know about ready-made, he's still quite slight, but I wouldn't be surprised if he plays some senior footy next year. Quite bullish on him, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Um, look, I, I i probably would have gone with Erasmus over him, but but in saying that, to get both of them, it was line ball. Yep. Um, and Erasmus just has a couple more tricks forward of the ball. He's, he's a real goal kicker and um, he's got a bit of that sort of um, spunk about him, whereas Johnson's more of a sort of, you know, I'm not going to compare him to Pendlebury and Mundy, but he's that type of player, that um, you know, smooth mover, time with the footy, um, not as dynamic as you know some players, but but really just does everything really well.
0: Well, that's an another young one added to the freeo list in Erasmus, so um, let's hopefully they can develop quickly over free season.
1: Yeah, I think he will. I, I think um, look. There's a, there's a long list of midfielders that are young and talented at, at Fremantle now. Um, but they've shown that they're going to put time and, 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 space into these guys. You know, they've played Caleb Sarong, um, for basically every game he's been fit for. Um, they've put a lot of time into Andy Brayshaw. They did the same with Chera before he left. Um, they are committed to their youth. Um, whenever Heath Chapman or Hayden Young or Liam Henry's been healthy, they've played them and they'll continue to do that. They know what path they're on.
0: The Jordan-Clark trade was a while in the making. So recently, mm-hmm. Justin Longmuir said he will start at a half-back uh, role early in 2022. How has he settled at Freedom Ant?
1: Really well. Um, it's early, and you hate hearing the burning up the track stories and the more midfield yeah. time stories. Correct. But he has looked really good. He look, look, the knock on him from Geelong was that you know he maybe wasn't coming back in the best shape from pre-season. That, I mean, you hear the stuff about attitude problems look I think Clark has a a, a bit of an arrogant streak in a good way I think he's a really confident kid um, and he's confident in, in his abilities and I think I think things are really going to click for him at Fremantle I think that's one of the more underrated steals um, in recent years in terms of trades I mean you got to remember Geelong were were falling over themselves when they had this kid two three years ago um, and then things just kind of went sour and you know that that was partly because of the way along recruited. You know they, when you're adding, you know experienced players, um, you're pushing these young guys out. And Clark's probably the biggest one that they're going to lose. Obviously Charlie Constable's gone too. You know there's a lot of other young guys are going to start to drift out if they don't get game time. But I, I'm I think he's going to have a really great year um, for Fremantle. He's exactly what they need. He's really quick. Yep. Um, he can play some wing as well. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be fantastic
0: how is the development of Nathan O'Driscoll progressing?
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about O'Driscoll before, but I, I saw you had him on the run sheet, so I yeah. left it till now. But um, it was funny, I was there yesterday and a bloke came up to me, just a, a punter, and he was saying, oh, where do you think Valenti's at? And I said, oh, well, I don't know. I, I, it's been a real slow burn for Luke Valenti. I, you know, he's been injured a bit, he hasn't played, he's, he had some off-field you know, health issues and he went home and... Gathered himself in his back and but he's another one like, you know, like I said before with Don Tyson and he just hasn't put on any size. He looks like the same kid that rocked up on day one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I said, don't worry about Valenti in terms of next year. Worry, I reckon Nathan O'Driscoll is the one that's going to be ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, O'Driscoll missed all of last year, a heap of injuries. Played a little bit of Peel. Um, he's a, a massive midfielder, like yeah. really big. Um, he would be. You know, no one's going to replace Nat Fife, But in terms of physicality, in terms of body shape and um, ceiling, like, you know, this this kid could be really something. Um, I would think he'll get ahead. If, if, he, if he can continue his preseason and be healthy, he's hired a personal trainer, I believe, in the, in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think he would be ahead of, say, Johnson and Erasmus for early, early opportunities. Yep. Just because he's a year ahead from draft. And, you know, they want to, they want to play some of these guys. And I know they thought they were lucky to get him when they got him. I think yep. he was picked in the 20s, maybe. Yes, yes. Um, So I, I'm, I'm quite bullish on him. I've got him on my watch list, put it that way. But, you know, he needs to. He's still raw. Like, he still kind of looks like a midfield version of the young Jeremy McGovern. Yep. You know, a little bit pudgy, a little bit sort of country footy ish. Um, but there's talent there, there's serious talent and really good size.
0: He's a monster watch for me over preseason. And yeah. so, so is this guy, Hayden Young. He's set for a bit yep. 2022. Uh, how is he looking?
1: Yeah, I, I think he's. Um, well, just there is one thing, and 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 I'm not going to go too much into it because, like, you know, it's a, out of just respect for him. He's got a couple of weeks off right now um, from the club. He's got some. It's not really injury related, football injury related, but he's got mm-hmm. some health stuff going on. Nothing too serious, yeah. but he sort of had a little bit of a setback there. So he he should be back in a couple of weeks and and up and running. Um, but it's a minor little hiccup. and uh, I think the thing with Young is um, as soon as he got into the AFL within the first two or three games, teams opposition teams were identifying him as one of the best kicks in footy. Yep. Um, it reminds me of when Shannon Hearn started playing for West Coast. and almost immediately oppositions were, were, were uh, defenses were saying, well, we're not going to let this kid kick the footy. Yep. You know, if if we can keep Shannon Hearn to eight kicks a game, then that's great. We don't want him kicking the footy fifteen times. And I think that's the same with Hayden Young. So while he is a classy player and while he is going to, you know, thread the needle almost every time with the, that kicking, we love watching it. I, I don't reckon opposition teams are gonna let him have it too often.
0: It's going to um, deny him. You know, they, yeah.
1: Exactly. So I think that's going to be the issue in terms of his ceiling from an accumulation point of view. Yep. I think it's going to be capped. I think he might have the odd game where he sneaks through for 25 touches, mm. and then you know the next week the, the forward scouts go, oh, geez, we cannot let Hayden Young get it." They carve this up, um, and then we'll put some time into him. So I just think that's where his career is heading. I and mean, Hearn figured it out later in his career, found ways to get the footy without, you know, getting through those defenses. But I think Young will have those teething problems in terms of being such an elite kick. It, it's going to hurt him in terms of being able to get to 20 touches a game.
0: Sean Darcy had a breakout 2021 from a fantasy perspective. What will his preseason look like to ensure mm. he can remain injury-free next season?
1: Yeah, well, he's always been banged up. This is the thing with him. He's always got some issue with his knee. Always mm. looked, but he looks magnificent. I was watching him yesterday. He's, he looks easily in the best shape
0: of like his it. career.
1: There's a there's a guy over here. He's called Body Magic or something. He's like a... Um, like a sort of personal trainer that a lot of these local guys here have been using in the off-season. So in their sort of four to six weeks off, they go to this bloke three, four times a week and they come out sculpted. And Darcy was kind of the first one to do it. He started doing it two, three years ago. And now they're all there. And even the guys from Melbourne and the Bulldogs that were over, that stayed over from the grand final... They were all going too. Like Luke Jackson was there with him, and like these guys are. Like he's like a sculptor of bodies, essentially. This dude, and that's where Darcy's breakout came from. He even said it um, in speech, you know. Like so, it's it's a really good sign that he cares that much about getting in the right shape. Um, His ceiling is massive. I would say that he'll be, you know, Brody Grundy and Max Gorn are probably still one and two in in terms of fantasy ruckman, right?
0: But I reckon
1: Darcy. He's gonna push him this year, and within two to three years, it's not gonna be a competition. He will just be the number one guy. Yep. Um. Yeah, he's he's looking fantastic, better than I've seen him at this time of year. I guess
0: That's from a sure. I guess from a point of difference point of view, um, it's good to be early. So potentially it's early time for Darcy. Okay, we'll move on to Caleb Sarong. He had. Strong centre bounce usage last season. He finished the season on fire from a fantasy perspective. Can we expect consistent high-scoring games next season?
1: Yes, I was massive on Caleb Sarong last preseason. I talked him up every every single place. I think I, I think I did it on this podcast. I was like, get Caleb Sarong, yep.
0: um,
1: and his start was really slow, um, and I was really surprised by that. Um, but by the time he clicked into gear, as you said, he exploded. Um, and that's what I think he is. Like, this guy, he's already a leader at this club. He's already, um, shown that he's an elite ball winner. He's hard as nails. Um, you know, he's, he's got that Joel Selwood thing where he just starts the game with strapping around his head. Yep. Um, he's a warrior. Uh, I think he's just going to be a fantastic midfielder for the next 15 years. Like, I, I would be putting a lot of stock into Caleb Sarong from fantasy perspective, from, you know, what he can possibly achieve. Um, in his career yeah. I, I, He's just an absolute Find for the Fremantle Dockers And um, him and Andy Brayshaw together Are going to be their, their sort of one-two Midfield punch for a long time
0: Excellent, Nat 5 has had A tough time of it with his shoulder How will that mm. impact his 2022?
1: Well he's going to start Slow, um, so he had shoulder Surgery and then he had an infection um, In that area And it really knocked him about Um I believe he still can't run. Um, so he, he's got some time to catch up. Um, he's a freak. We all know that. He will get himself into game shape. Um, but it could take a while. We saw last year guys like Elliot Yeo and Luke Shuey missed almost all of the preseason, And they really never got going. Yep. You know, even towards the end of the year, they were still just we're on half wrap power. We underestimate sometimes how important the preseason is for these guys. It's, it's their huge. body of work. Yep. You know, like... if. It's it's almost like you know any other job, but that's all the preparation stuff. If you don't do it, you're stepping in and and you, you're not prepared. Um, so for him to miss what will essentially be all of the preseason um, in terms of doing his normal load, he's going to start really slow. Uh, I, I'd be shocked if he you know can bring out his usual sort of all Australian level form in the first you know six to ten weeks of the season. But you know if he does everything right and he keeps his you know rehab up, which he will, he's a pro. Um, he could have a really good second half of the year.
0: What's the one thing you're looking out for over the Fremantle or preseason?
1: Um, well, I really want to see... O'Driscoll's one I'm watching for sure, like I mentioned. Yep. Um, I want to see what their forward setup looks like. I think they have to play um, Tabernar, Tracy and Lobb in some capacity, whether or not that works... Uh, Sonny Walters is back already training with the young guys. He does that every year, but he looks fitter than he did this time last year. He looked like he probably had carrying a couple of kilos too many at this time of last year, but he mm. looks in ripping shape um, and he needs a big year. It's his last year of contract. So he's going to have to fire. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're talking about draft fantasy and stuff, you know, you're probably getting Michael Walters really cheap after the year he's had, the last yep. two years he's had. So you might be able to take a flyer on him really late as your last forward, and he might come good. Yep. Um, so there's something to watch. I want to see how the halfbacks look. You know, Young, Chapman, Clark. Yep. How does that set-up look? Throw in James Ashe. Um, It's, you know, it's, it's a really packed back line. Um, I want to see what the roles are. Heath Chapman is going to play. I don't think I've seen Heath Chapman lose a contest since he got to Fremantle, hmm. even yesterday, he was, he was, he you go to training and a lot of time, he just, it's, it's pretty ho-hum, but he stands out every time I go. I'm like, yep. this kid, his arms are so long and he spoils everything and whatever he doesn't spoil, he marks and he's a, he's a freak. He's, he's going to be, oh, I think I said it last year when he made his debut, once he's in, he's never coming out and he only came out because he, he busted his shoulder. Yep. Um, he he is a first choice player for a long time. I, I think he's going to be one to really, really watch.
0: Excellent. Let's move over to West Coast. So the Eagles do have an experienced list, which makes it tough to break into that midfield. Do you see Adam Simpson changing up that mix in 2022?
1: It's going to be really hard for him because on paper, um, there's a lot of reputations and a lot of strong resumes there. Tim Kelly, Andrew Gaff, Luke Shuey, Elliot Yo, These guys have you know done it all in footy. You know, they're all Australians, best and fairest winners. Norm Smith medalists, like, you know, on paper that's as good a four as you can really ask for. Um, but this, for whatever reason, the fit has not worked in the last two years. Now, I mentioned before, Yo and Shuey had really bad pre-seasons. They never got running. Um, that was a, a real major reason for West Coast's failures last year. Yep. I think they're two best midfielders um, and they, they essentially never had them. Um, so those two guys coming back, Having you know full pre-seasons will have a major impact. Um, When you throw in those two and a Willie Rioli, um, who hasn't played in two years, you're adding in three premiership players um, to a mix that was you know not that far off the mark last year. You know they they kind of got smashed around in the media for being terrible and they didn't meet expectations, but. You know, there wasn't that much difference between them and where they finished, and sort of finishing sixth or seventh, and maybe you know, getting one final and and sort of getting a pass mark on the year. So it wasn't as catastrophic as it was made out to be. But I think the thing is, they're built to win premierships with that list. You know, they've got a lot of experienced guys down back, down up forward in the middle, um, but they can't get the chemistry right. Now breaking into it, really hard to do. Um, and is there anyone who can do that? I don't necessarily think so. Um, I, look, I, I think if they'd had Daniel Venables fit and healthy, he'd be the one that would be breaking through right now. Yep. Um, you know, he'd be in the right sort of age frame, the experience frame, and he was drafted as a midfielder. So I think that's the one that's sort of been lost for them because he'll never play footy again. Um, and they don't have anyone else coming through. Liam Duggan sort of half did it last year out of necessity. Yep. I don't think it really worked too well. Um, he's probably more suited to a halfback role. Um, they tried Connor West in there. He's probably just slightly below the level that they need for an elite midfielder, or even a, even a very good one. Um, oh. The one that they recruited, obviously, that was a, a middle-aged, a mature age recruit, is Greg Clark. Yeah. Um, whether whether or not he's ready to play at the top level straight away, I'm not sure. He had a fantastic waffle season. Um, oh. He won everything you can win. He was best on in the grand final. Um, but he was playing in a very good team. Subiaco over here, I like, you know, they're the most dominant. I think they've, I can't remember the stat, but it's like eight of the last ten flags or something. They, Mm -hmm. they just win everything. They recruit a lot of ex AFL guys, um, and they win a lot. So it's always hard to gauge just how good these guys are when they're playing at Subi because there's so many good players. Um, he, his history, he was WA's under 18s captain, uh, going back five or six years. Um, and he should have got drafted. He, he, he was a Monty. And then two weeks out, he just started getting some... There was some red flags about his kicking and some other stuff. And suddenly, he didn't get picked up. And it was a massive shock. Um, and it's taken him five or six years to sort of get back in that position where he makes it, you know, too hard to not pick him. So, look, I like him. Um, but is he going to squeeze out Tim Kelly? Or Luke Shuey or Elliot Yo or Andrew Gaff. No, right. that's not going to happen. Yeah. But Jack Redden's just hurt himself. He's hurt his shoulder. That's 10, 10 weeks on the sidelines. Sure. You know, maybe there's a spot there. Um, maybe he can break into that, and you know that that might be his opportunity in the preseason. And if he plays well, there might be a spot for him. So I hope he does well. Um, but I wouldn't be saying he's an absolute certainty to be playing round one. It's it's, it's not like that at all. Um, but you don't typically recruit 24-year-olds if you're not going to give them a chance at some point, right?
0: Yep. Okay, a recent change-up of assistant coaches at West Coast. What are your thoughts on Adam Simpson making a significant game plan change?
1: Yeah, I, I think it needed to happen. I think um, the guys who left were really good coaches and really good people, but you know sometimes you just need to freshen up. And if you're not going to change the coach, which they're not, they love Adam Simpson, and you've got that list that you can't really shuffle too much Around because he had a lot of experience and a lot of money tied up. Um, well, the assistant coaches are often the way to go. Um, you know, Sam Mitchell gets a lot of credit for what West Coast did in their premiership year over here. Um, he really sort of helped, you know, alter that game plan in big ways. You know, can Jared Schofield have an impact in there? Can Matthew Knights maybe? Um, will it change their game plan a lot? I'm not sure. Um, they were slow. They were predictable. Um, they were sort of one-dimensional um, and that, and they know that. Um, we're yet to see any sort of like, you know, full field training sessions where we can sort of get a read on what they're doing but it wouldn't surprise me if they they tweaked it. They need to do something because what we saw with Melbourne and um, the Bulldogs and Brisbane, they, these are really good teams now. They just run and they've got waves of midfielders that they can run with and, you know, they, they attack at all times and West Coast are just this sort of methodical chip, 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 which really worked for them for a couple of years. That's That doesn't work now. No. So they're going to have to do something.
0: Yep. Okay, we'll just touch on the health status of Yo, Shui, and you mentioned Redden just just before, and Kelly. Yep. So health status for all four, please.
1: Yeah, well, um, Shui's he's back training already. So is Yo, and they're not due back till next week. So that's a good sign. They're ahead of the game. Yo's got a beard. Got a preseason beard going, so yeah. I'm not sure what you can um, read into that. But he looks like a different, determined man. Um, you know, he—I know, uh, yeah, Elliot Yo is a very, very determined human being. He's um, got a bit of aggro in him. He, he would be filthy that he's basically missed, you know, 18 months of footy and hasn't been his best for a while. Yeah. So he's still not, he's not old by any stretch. You know, he's still got some of his best years ahead of him, hopefully. So I would expect both of those guys to be raring to go. You know, Shuey's always a bit of a risk now because he's got a lot of soft tissue stuff. Um, but I think he'd be hoping that, you know, he, he's past that. Um, Kelly's fit like he's, there's no issues with him at all. Um and as I said redden, yeah, ten I think ten to twelve weeks with a shoulder he's at surgery. So that'll rule him out for basically the whole pre season, um and, and make it tough for him at the start of the year to sort of get any sort of flow and form.
0: Sam Petreski Seaton joined the Eagles during the trade period. He's set for an outside midfield role, mixed in with forward usage. How's he looking? Yeah, I mean he's
1: he seems to be fitting in pretty well, getting along with everybody. I, I really like that pickup. I think I'm a huge fan. I know Fremantle did it with Brody as well. I'm a huge fan of picking up the guy who was a top ten pick that hasn't worked out for whatever reason, um and giving him a chance when you don't have to pay much for it. Yeah. I love that trade. That's my favorite trade that you can make. Um And I've always been a fan of Sam Petreski's seat. And I just think Carlton's development program in the last ten years has been mm. god awful. Yeah. Um, and you know, you've seen that with Paddy Dow and Lockie O'Brien and you know, a couple of, of other guys. That yeah, they just haven't come through unless they're a I can't miss no matter what it doesn't it, matter yeah. yeah Sam Walsh you know you could have you know a group of monkeys developing him and he'll still be the best midfielder in the comp in 3 years it doesn't matter yeah. um, but in terms of some other guys they need they need people to actually develop them properly we saw this at Melbourne for years with you know Jack Watts and Jack Grigg like was it Tringove and Scully and they, like all these high picks that never really came on um, and at some point, you've got to stop blaming the player and go, well, this is a pattern. Yeah. Um, and that's why I would take a chance on Petreski. Seaton. He's still young. Um, he's hard as nails. Uh, and he's a really skillful player. And I just don't know how it hasn't worked out so far for his career. So I love that pickup. Yeah. up um, And West Coast have identified an issue on their list in that they don't have a lot of good players coming through in the age range of 22 to 25. You know, they've got Oscar Allen... I think Tommy Barris fits into that group, um, Liam Duggan, and then it falls away off a cliff. Um, so this is why you're seeing them, you know, take a chance on the Sam Petreski seat, and it's why they've probably recruited Greg Clark. Um, they need to fill that gap in in their sort of list management, um, and so that's no accident. Um, I love that pickup.
0: Now Campbell Cheso was a draft pick for the Eagles. There, they uh, apparently went early on him. So he had some knee concerns earlier this year as well. So he looks like he's going to come into a halfback role. How's he looking so far?
1: Yeah, I think they like him as a halfback and then maybe a wingman, like a fast sort of break line sort of wingman. Um, Look, it's early um, for him. He'd still be in in quarantine anyway. I'm not even sure if he's made his way over yet. Um, It'll be a slow... I I think he'll be a slow burn. Um, They must know something. Like, you know, these guys that's their job to, to know what these players are. And I don't know a lot about Campbell Chesser. He hasn't played a lot of footy as he said, he's had knee issues, a couple of them, I think. Um, So it's a risk, particularly when you're staring down, you know, Matt Johnson, who's right there. He's a local kid. Um, He wants you to pick him. And Mm. then you go, no, no, we're just going to go the other way. And we're going to back ourselves in because we think this other kid, Campbell Chesser has a higher ceiling. um, And we're sure that he's going to be the one. So, you know, I, I think it's brave, Um, it would have been safer just to take Johnson. Um, but they must see something in Chester that they really, really like. Um, and the thing is, with guys who are top sort of 20 picks, when you take a bold pick like that, what you do usually see is clubs giving them every chance to succeed because, you know, they'll, they'll see Johnson. And Johnson to me is as close to a sure thing as you're going to get. Like he'll be a, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play 150 AFL games, put it that way. Um, whereas Chester is a bit more of an unknown but they'll give him every chance to succeed.
0: Uh, just a final word on Greg Clark. Do you think you'll see him early in the 2022 season?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, Hutchings is gone. Redden is banged up. Um, you know, Connor West didn't really, you know, take the ball by the horns. Xavier O'Neill has been okay in moments. Um So there's a chance, like there's a window there for for a midfielder to come through. Um, As I said, Venables is not coming back. Um, So, yeah, there's a a chance that he could find a way. He's a pure midfielder, though. Like there's no, you know, you're not going to be able to play him in a forward pocket or in a halfback flank or something. He's a midfielder. Um, So if you want him in there, you're going to have to play him in that red and roll. Um, It's worked out nicely for him that, you know, that Jack's had surgery and, and has a setback. So it gives him a chance... To show that he can do it. So with that, you know, if he can stay injury free and have a good preseason, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the first crack at that at that role. Because as I said, a lot of those other guys I mentioned, they haven't really taken it by the scruff of the neck and, and run with it.
0: Now, what's one thing you're looking out for over the preseason at West Coast?
1: Yeah, that midfield mix. With I want to see how petrescu Seaton fits in um, in in terms of you know, do, do they use him in the right ways? Um, I want to see what the forward line structure looks like because my information is that they've, they've even said to Josh Kennedy, mate, we we have to turn this forward line over to Oscar Allen at some point and, and this is the point. So JK's playing on um, with the awareness that you know he's going to have to start deferring to Oscar Allen at certain points yep. um, because it's time for Oscar's development to take that next step. They see this kid as the next captain of the club. He's their best young talent by a good margin. Um, so I think that that's going to be something to really watch what happens with Kennedy's role. And in some ways, maybe his role could become more fantasy-friendly. Who knows? Like, maybe he's pushing up the ground further. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Kennedy's a really good runner, and he's a really good lead and mark. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he turns into that sort of late-career Nick Riewold. Um Who knows what we're going to see um, from Josh Kennedy. So I'm interested in watching that. Uh, and also what happens with their half-backs, um, I, I think Brad Shepherd is probably highly likely to um, have some issues with playing going forward. I don't want to go too deep into it. It's his career, but I, I think he's in a real bad place in terms of concussion. Yep. Uh, and we might not see him again playing footy. So there's roles there for guys like Josh Rotham and Alex Witherton and Liam Duggan. and um, There's a bit to watch at West Coast. So, you know. And I think the game plan stuff you mentioned earlier is also a close watch.
0: Excellent. Much appreciated for coming on to the show. Ryan, can you let the listeners know where to find you?
1: Um, Yeah, just um, if you're in Perth on 7 News in the the West, I I write a column each week, not at the moment because it's not footy season, but I'll get back into that next year. Um, And just on Twitter, um, Footy Rhino, if you want to give us a follow, that'd be great. And, um, yeah, that's about it.
0: Once again, Ryan, thank you very much.
1: Beauty. Thanks, Pete.